This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. All right, Haima Black, live from the Virgin Hotel. We are on the first floor tonight. Uh, usually we're on the second floor, but man, there's a huge party going on up there. Uh, First floor of Virgin Hotel. Shout out Virgin Hotel for hosting us here tonight. Uh, we've been here almost a year, which is pretty awesome. Um, actually, a year next month, so shout out Virgin. We're here tonight with an incredible lineup of guests. We're going to be talking to Justin Kaufman from WGN Radio and Lior Galil from the Chicago Reader. But first, um, a first-timer on the podcast, Jesse Rohde. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming up. Thank you for having me, and happy almost one-year anniversary at the Virgin. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Um, you can have the party upstairs next time. Yeah. We'll I mean, all come out. We had, a, we had a party when we first started doing this, so yeah, I think we're going to have to do that. Uh, so you're somebody who, like, we were talking before the mics were on about how, like, Chicago Twitter is very small. I always see you posting really cool stuff about great articles you're posting, but something I learned about you from Twitter before, like, in addition to all the great work you do, is that you're from Bridgeport, which is where I used to live as well. So shout out Bridgeport. I am. My whole family, both sides of my family, a lot of them still live there. Everyone is very proud. Okay, so you There's got like a photo that bridge of my grandpa pride. and his bowling team inside of like the Rickabennies. It's a thing. Yeah, that's as Bridgeport <laughs> as it gets. It really is. That's awesome. Um, but you are somebody who, you do a lot of really great uh, music journalism work. You're writing for the Chicago Tribune. Um, in addition to a couple of other outlets, I know you've written for Illinois Entertainer, which I also write for. Um, yeah, everyone at Illinois Entertainer was always great. Yeah, Always so supportive. The best. Shout out John and Kurt. <laughs> They're very easy to work with. I've been writing for Illinois Entertainer for like as long as I've been alive, basically, and they're just they're just good guys. But I always kind of start this out like just asking like, how did this all start for you? Like, how did the music journalism thing happen? How did this media work happen? Like, where did this begin for you? Um, I've known that I wanted to write about music in some way since I was eleven. Um, I saw Almost Famous, and I was like, oh, I could totally do that. Everything else seems really boring. Um, so I would write my own, like, mini-reviews inside of a diary. Or I would oh also talk about, like, playing hooky from school. Um, so it'd be, like, me trying to get out of school, and then there'd be, like, an NSYNC album review underneath it. And it was wonderful. Um, that just sounds like an incredible, like, A24 teen that It was literally me, movie. like, reading, like, teen bop, like, surrounded by my boy band posters, just writing about why I thought they were good and why I right. thought they were important. Because um, no one else, like, cr- was writing about that in, like, a seriously critical way. Sure. At least no one who was, like, eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> My viewpoint was not represented. Um, but sure. then I just started blogging, and I reached out to Greg Cott after I had graduated on Twitter. I sent him a DM and asked yeah. him if he had an internship. We went to lunch. Um, he told me I was beyond being an intern and he would help me find a job and then three years later I ended up at the Trib. Did he say incendiary? He did not. Okay. The only person I have (laughs) seen use that since I've been at the Trib is my editor Kevin and it was in a tweet at Pitchfork and I forgot who was it it was about. It was probably about PJ Harvey. I'm incendiary too. Come back. (laughs) Yeah. I want to use that word all the time and then I'm like (laughs) I have to save it for the right moment. You really do. It's like (laughs) it really is kind of a special occasion. Um, It really is. But that's incredible like going out to lunch with Greg Cott and kind of getting your start with that because obviously Greg Cott, somebody who's been doing this for a long time in Chicago and 
And he's really kind of a, a, a legend in the journalism game here. Yeah, I used to send him, not like hate mail, but um, <clears throat> responses sure. that were dissenting opinions <laughs> on things he would write. Like one of the first ones I wrote was about the Strokes after their Aragon Ballroom show at the Room on, like during the Room on Fire tour. Um, and I just like kept it, kept it rolling <laughs> from that. But um, it was great. He was really supportive. I saw him at Lollapalooza and mm-hmm. he told me I was doing a good job. So That's so cool. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you grew up in Chicago. It's like, if you remember the 90s, it's like you would grow up and, you know, you'd read like Dero and Cot. Like that was what yeah. it was in the 90s. Like Tribune or, you know, I was like too young for the reader, you know, like. Yeah. So there was Dero and Cotton, and that was where you got your information about Filter or the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, those guys have been doing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I always care. I would send things to a guy. I would email him, like, live shows, live show reviews. I saw Robert Plant at the Riv, and I oh emailed God. Greg this review, and he sent it back to me, and it was just, like, covered in notes about, like, everything that I had done right and then everything else that I had done wrong. And he would tell me that, like, I wrote, like, a like a press agent and I needed to stop kissing like Robert Plant's butt and I was like okay great but it was all like it's fantastic criticism I love that stuff especially coming from someone like that I mean, yeah that's incredibly almost famous though like what you're yeah. describing is so almost famous it did feel I like even in a professional sense I like go deep I like mm-hmm. force people to keep engaging with me in conversation because <laughs> I just want to like I want to pick their brains as much as I can um, and luckily I've been allowed to do that with everyone I've gotten to work with here so Which was the great. Trib the first journalism gig, like the first real one? Yeah, or the Trib was like the first paid. Yeah. My parents finally thought I could make some type of money doing this well, after it, school. How old were you at that point? I was 24. Okay. When I got to the Trib. Yeah, so that's still a really young age to yeah. get to the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, I always have to remind myself of that because I started writing about stuff when I was nine, but I started blogging a lot and... um kind of taking side gigs and, like, online gigs to try to build myself up when I was, like, 15. Yeah. So I feel like I've been doing it for a really long time, and then everyone's like, dude, you just turned 25. Like, you can calm down. It's fine. Yeah. But you know what? It's something <laughs> I see a lot on this podcast and talking to people is, like, a lot of younger, and I don't mean that in a dismissive way, but, like, you know, let's say, like, under 28, a lot of younger talent, the ones who are really ambitious are the ones who are like, oh, man, I'm so far behind. Yeah. Even if they're starting at, like, 19... They're like, oh, I wasted all this time. And you're like, no, you're starting really yeah, young. Yeah, no, like no one's satisfied. And I think that's something, I mean, I've never lived anywhere else, but I think that's something that a lot of creative people coming up right now in Chicago really pride themselves on. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever, even if to everyone else they look like they've made it or they've reached that that point, um, I don't think anyone really feels that way. And I think everyone knows that like there's always more work to be done and they can always improve themselves in some way and I think that's great. I've if I am a part of that in any way, I'm like very grateful for it. Well, I mean, I think a lot of that cuz I know exactly what you're talking about like I think a lot of it is the fact that there's so many people doing so much great work right now that it's like yeah. at least for me, just speaking for myself, you don't want to get left behind. You don't yeah. want to be the one who's not putting in the work when everybody else is firing on all cylinders. Again, at least that's how I view a lot of what's happening Yeah, right now. no, I feel that all the time. I was actually talking, I haven't written anything really since Lollapalooza and I was like, I went for a walk on Friday during work for like an hour and I just like tried to think of pitches, like 
jotting them down because you do feel like you, everyone is like always setting a new standard, which is really exciting, but it's also, <laughs> but it's also sometimes you just want to like vegetate on the couch and watch Real Housewives for two hours. Like I want to, but that's not always. Yeah. I took this weekend <laughs> to like unplug, well, comparably unplug to watch BoJack Horseman. But there yeah. was the part of my mind where I was like, oh, it's so bleak. Not, it's the bleakest, darkest. If you're like me and you love bleak, if that's like a that's way like to like sell you, yeah. oh, it's the bleakest thing. Okay. It's the bleakest thing. He makes his mom cry in episode six of the new season, and oh it is just God. so dark. And I watched that episode twice, and I was like, this is incredible. He, he wakes up in episode six, just you, all you hear through the whole episode is his internal monologue, and it starts off with, wake up, you stupid piece of shit. You're such a worthless piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, it's... Amazing. So anyway, BoJack Horseman is great, but it's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix. Okay. That's yeah. I'll get my sister's password. Oh man. But uh, <laughs> but I I, I I get where you're coming from. Where like, it can be daunting with everything that's happening. So like, when you're coming up with pitches, because I know that's that's challenging. Like, where do you draw that from? Or like, what kind of pitches do you do you like to send out? Or I don't know. How do you view that? I always. I mean, in my position at the Tribune. I'm not really, um, I don't get to do as much critical work, so it always has to come back to be impacting some, like, local level of Mm -hmm. either, like, specifically talking about the artists or the producers coming up with this work or how it's impacting, like, different communities or societies as a whole, which is the type of writing I like to do anyway. Um, So if there's like a subgroup of, if there's like a larger movement happening, but there's a really powerful subgroup in Chicago that are making, whether it's like ASL interpreters or people right. that are opening up um, like their homes or creating other safe spaces for marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always important to use like your platform for good good, I guess, people can define in their own ways. My version of good is... Yeah, yeah, just supporting the folks that need this type of support. Um, So if I can always continue to give that to them, but also, like, make it interesting and fun because it is... It's an art and it's an entertainment article, then that's what I hope to keep doing. Well, I mean... Along with, like, live show reviews. Right. Uh, One of the big articles that you had recently was the ASL... Um, article that was connecting yeah. like the ASL interpreter community to uh, to the music community, and that's something I see a lot because I teach at Columbia and Columbia College. People might not know this because it's first and foremost thought of as like you know it's the art school, yeah, like it's where you go if you want to be like a DJ or whatever. But they have a huge um, ASL community oh, and, yeah. and division and um, department. That's what I'm getting at um, at Columbia. So I do see a lot of those students, and I have friends who've been in that program and. It, it's really worthwhile, like, telling that kind of story. Like, was that your idea, or...? Um, one of my coworkers, actually, Nina Metz, she writes about TV. She emailed me a video of um, Amber Galloway-Gallego okay. signing for Waka Flocka. Mm-hmm. I think it was at Austin City Limits. And he... The way that he kind of, like, walked over to her on the platform and really made her like, a really valued part of what he was trying to convey and, like, share with his fan base um, in that video was really special. And the only festival that I had really seen that at happening in Chicago to that point was at Lollapalooza. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just... It was great to talk to Amber and Matt Maxey, who does Definitely Dope, who was touring with Chance um, after Bonnaroo 
that even people in like the hard of hearing community or the deaf community, they do, they kind of like internalize this, that like live music is just a hearing experience. Mm. And you see the way that artists are, artists really want to expand that, especially now, like they want everyone to feel included. They want everyone to feel safe. Um, So having the access to that was really important. And I wanted to highlight that at Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza kind of, I mean, I have my own issues with Lollapalooza as, as a whole, but it does foster for those four days a sense of community that I think is really inclusive. Yeah. Um, and it's important to keep that in the forefront of your mind, even when you're being asked to pay like $27 for a bottle of wine <laughs> and a water bottle. Right. <laughs> they um, do give back, which is great. And they yeah. have these people there. So, so that was an article that I feel like got a really strong response. Was that the case? Yeah, it did really well, um, yeah. which was exciting. Um, yeah, I was proud of it. So when you have something like that that, that works, like kind of what happens from that? Does that allow you to like kind of pitch bigger stories, or is it something where you're like, oh, man, like people are putting their eyes on me now, like this is my chance to do X? Yeah, I mean, it definitely kind of challenges me to always want to keep um, the focus on folks that the focus doesn't usually find. Um, So I do always keep that in my mind. But as far as, um, like, I'm definitely, I have a really supportive team at work that will definitely encourage me to keep doing those stories. Um, I do kind of miss writing with a more musical focus. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that'll come in time. But as long as I'm... I don't know. I keep saying, like, using the forces of good, but I feel like it's because I was watching, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and, like, <laughs> Halloween Town on YouTube, and it's just, like, in my mind. But it, it does sound like you're, you're pursuing an altruistic viewpoint with, or kind of, like, mission with your, with your work. Yeah, it's important. I mean, definitely being, like, you're, when you're at a newspaper like the Tribune, the arts and entertainment section, if that's kind of your vein... You're not, you're not like the hard news person. So no one, no one in the newsroom is like often coming up to you and being like, oh my God, you broke that. That was like life changing. Yeah. You know, like it's a, it's a very separate experience. And I think that people, there are plenty of people in the world who don't want that in their entertainment um, writing, which I think is a bummer. And I don't think that that's um, a privilege that we can kind of like just keep letting Slide like right. I think it's important to challenge that. Um, so I don't really care. Yeah, I'm gonna keep doing it. You're doing sure. What you're doing. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah. <laughs> now you know Chicago's media community, and, and it's interesting tonight. Like this was not planned. Uh, the way that I book this podcast, a lot of times is I will email maybe like 20 guests that I want to have come on. I'll say like, hey, here's three or four Sundays that are available. Which one works for you? Yeah. And tonight just happened to be three media uh, figures from the city, yourself included. So it's going to be interesting to talk a lot about media tonight. But um, there's a lot of changes happening. There's a lot of changes. So like, how does that impact you as, as a freelancer, as a professional, as a writer, like as a creative, like how do you view that? Because I, it can be challenging, I would imagine, and, and probably pretty intimidating or frustrating to see some of the changes or kind of diminishing opportunities that might be happening. Yeah, it's hard. Um, 
I was at the Tribune for like two weeks when they sold the tower. And I remember taking out my headphones and being like, so do we all still have jobs? Like really right. not understanding. It's so complicated. There are so many connected parts. And half of the time you like don't even want to use your brain to think about it because it's just like daunting trying to figure out kind of where you stand in all of these interconnected agencies and offices. Um, so as long as my like key card works every morning when I walk in, I really don't want to, <laughs> sure. I don't want to spend too, like that much time stressing out about it. But yeah, I mean, you worry. I definitely pay more attention than I used to. Um, I think you have to, I think that's also kind of part of being an adult and having your kind of first career. Sure. Um, I, I mean, yeah. do you see like, I guess for yourself, do you see yourself hitting a point where like maybe you'll go off and kind of like do more of your own thing because like, okay, for me, I came from radio and radio was incredible and I love radio and, and Justin and I are going to talk about this, but like, but there was that sense of like, is my key card going to work this week? Yeah. And that was what it was like for 13 years. And I wasn't even the guy who got paid enough to be on the chopping block, but like, right. it was just that feeling of like anything can happen, you know? Yeah. Like if I showed up and they were like, dogs bought the radio station, I'd be like, all right. I'll go yeah. with that, you know. Yeah, you literally there. Just like sure. There are so many times where you you hear things and you just have to be like, okay, like <laughs> right. I can sure I can deal with that. I don't think. I mean, yeah, I do. I think about going elsewhere eventually. Sure, I would like to one day get out of Chicago just as a whole, since I've lived here my whole life. But yeah. the weird thing now, I think. There, I mean, there are kind of slim pickings for media and journalism jobs. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily have the courage to kind of just, like, leave it all behind and, like, pick or, up and I'm, move. I'm not, like, suggesting that. I don't want this to sound no, like no, I'm, no, like, no, I know. I remotely told, coming I totally for your choices or anything it. at all. Because no. I, I relate to that feeling. Like, I know what that oh, yeah, feeling's I am, like, you know? I definitely, I'm, like, the bi-weekly paycheck person. Like, right. I freak out. Um... But yeah, I mean, if people, if, I think the most important thing is, like, if you really believe in what you're doing and you really believe in your work and you believe in your work enough to kind of pick up and know that you can make it somewhere else, do it. Yeah. But just know that the pool has shrunk. Well, I mean. For worse. <laughs> but I do also hold hope that it'll get better. I do, too. I'm right there with I you. Like and really and do. to we your credit. To. Your work is really good, and I'm not just saying that. It's like your work Thank is good, so you have that going for you. You know, when I was... Thanks. I see what you, what you post, but I always do the research when I'm going to talk to someone for the podcast. So I was like, I was going through your byline uh, on the trip, and, like, you've got all your articles organized there, and I was like, damn, there's a lot here. Yeah. You know, you, you have you a couple pages You get to cover a lot of stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, what are you excited about uh, happening in Chicago culture, music, media, like... You know, what's what's exciting for you in the city right now um, on a personal or, like, professional appreciation level? I mean, maybe the most, like, timely thing is Riot Fest. Yeah, that's I'm really up. excited. Um, I already, like, made my schedule, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to see um, the voluptuous horror of Karen Black. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who they were, and I saw them listed... And I just Googled, and the first Google image that came up, I was like, I'm down. Because it's such an awesome name. Um, it's such an awesome name. The backstory of how they came up with it, Karen Black was like this cult film actress. And it's just awesome. And it's just like this weird, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, L.A. 
horror punk. It's like super I exciting. Bad Brains. I've never seen Bad Brains before. I'm so excited. Um, Nine Inch Nails is going to be great. Queens of the Stone Age, even though I really don't like their new album that much, is going to be We were just talking great. about that. Me and I Leo really, are like... I just feel like if you're a proud rock band, like when you turn to Mark Ronson for your rock album, it's like, do you know? Well, we were just talking about like, like, <laughs> like when Leo got Mark here. Mark Ronson's music? I know. We were like... It is the correct thing that they kicked Nick Oliveri out of the band. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. Right. But it sucks that they're not as good without Nick Oliveri. It's I'm not like, defending him. I'm not saying he should be back in the band, but they were a better band with him. And it is also simultaneously the correct choice to kick him out. Right. Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of bands face that. Yeah. Um, and it's tough. Eventually. Yeah. But I'm still going to yeah. watch them because I'm like, I'm still on board, but like, yeah, I miss those songs of the Deaf Days, Rated R. All the old yeah, stuff. I just want, I mean, I just miss, and I know it's, like, so cliche, especially if you follow me on Twitter. Like, I just miss, like, rock. And I don't even really know what rock is anymore, but, like, I want it to be it's really like, loud. I want it to be really in your face. I also want it to, like, mean something. I want it to and be kind I just of mean. Some, yeah, I rock want Rock is it, so polite now. It is. And it's like, like, I hate Green that. Day, I went and saw Green Day. Green Day, like, you know, shaped my, like, very early formative political punk years. And I was like, we're not even getting F-bombs from Green Day anymore. Like, Yeah, when I saw Green where Day at Lollapalooza we a few years ago. We're getting more F-bombs from, like, the Five Seconds of Summer kids. I know. Who are, like, technically a boy band. It's, it's really weird. It's, so it's wild. Yeah, I feel like that's a whole article you could do, like, just, like, when did rock get so polite we, and so sanitized? I think I will be touching upon this, and we had a very... Um, lively discussion about boy bands um, the other day that literally consumed half of the office. Um, yeah. So we may touch upon that well, I mean, in it, that article. It's like it's these two extremes where, like, now everything's either really polite or, like, when I was working in radio, everything was just this, like, butt rock. Where it was, like, yeah. all, like, puddle of mud and stained and, like, three days grace and, and, and like, oh, fuel. my God, and fuel and just, like, <laughs> and I was, like, wow, I guess I hate music now. <laughs> That's literally how I feel. The, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I'm i a fan of The National and, like, right. their new album is a great national album, but, like, are there plenty of times where I was listening to it and I got bored? Sure. Yeah. Would I consider that a rock album? Hmm? No. Mm-hmm. It's very boring right now. Um <laughs> So what's coming up for you, you know, like Riot Fest is obviously coming up, but like what's next on deck? Are there any articles you want to tease or like anything you're excited about coming up? Um, I think I have to talk about some of these with my editor, but I pitched um, some ideas about street performers and more and more street performers just kind of like going rogue and plugging in um, mm-hmm. and why they kind of still take it to the street as opposed to just like being online and cultivating this online presence and um, just like going straight to SoundCloud or going straight to Bandcamp and right. taking um, that kind of route. You're talking about like a lot of the artists who are like busking right now? Yeah. Yeah, talk to Sylvie Grace if you do that Sylvie feature. Grace. Sylvie Grace, she's a cellist, super cool, and she's been playing out in front of like the Apple Store and those kind of places for years. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, she's a great talent. Yeah. Okay, perfect. But that's yeah. really exciting. The boy band article... I'll probably gush in it a little bit, but it'll get cut out, so I'm not really worried. <laughs> um, and I really want to do a more in-depth piece about like the po- how different music communities in the city are policed. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be like my adult journalist. And that's that's to mission. me sounds like a great topic that but, yeah. a lot Especially of people respond here. to. So we'll yeah. see. That's awesome. But yeah. 
Um, you know, final question, because this is great, and, and I want to continue this conversation, get you on a panel or something like that. Um, a lot of times these interviews are just kind of like the start of, like, we bring so many people back who do these Sunday night interviews to be, like, on panels and things like that to kind of, like, get a larger discussion going. Um, but final question for, for tonight, at least, is, you know, for anybody who's younger, for anybody who's looking at what you're doing, it's like, man, I want to write for the trib, or, like, I want to be a music journalist, or yeah. I want to cover this kind of stuff. Like, what advice do you have for them? Um, never be afraid to reach out to anyone. Yeah. Um, even if you think, like, it's weird to send a DM, or you've never spoken to this person ever, and you want to send them an email, just do it. Right. Um, I think especially right now, the the majority of people that I at least that I know um, and that whose work and what they're doing, I really respect. Everyone is always looking to help someone out, um, especially younger kids in the city that want to get involved in something that would be like totally new to them. Um, right. I think Chicago is a great city to get started doing that in. Um, people can always feel free to email me. I didn't know how many people I knew until like recently you start like noticing how many people you know and like right. social functions, which is really awesome. But um don't be afraid to Twitter. stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet away. Mm-hmm. Just go straight to just everyone tweet. Everyone's accessible on Twitter. Everyone really is accessible. It's on crazy. Twitter. You can see like Kim Kardashian and or like Rihanna tweet back at people. Oh my god, Rihanna she like re she quote tweeted someone today that was working at a Puma of people looking for her beauty line, and then the tweet, like, blew up. Of course. And the kid's, like, viral now. That could happen to you. Yeah. We don't know. We don't make the rules. No, I know. It's it, <laughs> All those walls have, like, I feel like been broken down to such a degree. Yeah, I really don't consider Chicago to have many, like, gatekeepers. So mm. everyone is really accessible. Even people that you might think are kind of, like, beyond that. Right. I don't think anyone really has the luxury or wants to be like that here. Um, so just stick with it. Don't let anyone ever discourage you. It'll take a while. Like, right. If it takes you three years, it takes you three years. It took me three which, years. Which isn't but even, like, stick that with long, it. It's not. You, know? you have to just take it day by day. Reach out to as many people as you can. Be nice to everyone. You never know who knows who. Right. Because it is a really small community, but yeah, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, Jesse Rohde, writing for the Chicago Tribune. People can follow you on Twitter. What's the Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter handle is Jesse Taylor, R O J E S S I, no E. Yeah. And not just an E, like Uncle Jesse in Full House, just an I. Right on. Um, In the Trib, on Twitter, you're out here. Reach out to you. That's awesome. Definitely. I'm so glad we got to talk to you Thank tonight. you Thank so you for much for having out. me. Absolutely. Cool. Feel free to hang out. I think I'm going to. Sweet. Sunday night in the city. Yeah, man. Woo. Absolutely. No more Game of Thrones. Cool. And we'll have to go get some tacos in Bridgeport at uh, Martinez soon. Yes. Because that place is that, the shit. If we planned like a Bridgeport taco crawl, the, oh like, the people would come. I would come. I, okay. I'd be so about that. I feel like that. this needs to be planned. Kind yeah. Of. Let's do it. Okay. Bridgeport taco crawl. Coming soon. TK7. <laughs> TK17, rather. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Sweet. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.